Hey guys, what's up? I'm so happy to be back and uh, teaching again. And uh, listen, let me start with a shout out to those of you who are watching from my San Jose campus. Uh, make some noise if you're watching in San Jose. Praise God. Check this out, guys. I'm going to be teaching live in San Jose next weekend, 9 and 11 a.m. So I hope to see you guys uh, there. And uh, if you're in the Bay Area, I invite you guys to join us in San Jose. And a huge shout out to the rest of you who are watching on various social media platforms across the country and across the world. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Listen, I'm excited about this brand new series that I'm calling The Gift of Curiosity. If there's somebody in the room with you, just simply turn to them and just say, aren't you curious? Can you type that in the chat? Aren't you curious? So we're going to talk about today. A few weeks ago, I noted that oftentimes we use this phrase, curiosity killed the cat. But I also noted that it was curiosity that is at the very center of humanity's discovery of fire and electricity and life-saving medicine, and the list goes on and on. Can someone say curiosity? And it is curiosity that is at the very heart of our new effort here that I believe that God wants every single one of you who's watching me and listening to me to participate. It's simply called Explore God. Can you say explore? That's the emphasis, explore. As a matter of fact, regardless of how long you've been in the church or away from the church or whether you're a Jesus follower or not, here's the deal. Here's what social scientists tell us, that every single one of us have seven basic questions about spirituality, transcendent reality, our faith, seven basic questions that we would love to find safe spaces to engage with and, and talk about. And, and the theme of this series is simply this, that God gave us the gift of curiosity, watch this, and intentionally shaped us to ask questions. So starting the first week in October, we're going to work through seven weeks of working through each of these questions. And we want every one of you, no matter where you live in the world, to facilitate a host a discussion group, and walk through each of those questions with us. Here they are. Does life have a purpose? Is there a God? If there is a God, why is there such suffering and pain in the world? Is Christianity too narrow? Uh, how do I know that I can trust and rely on the Bible? And what does it take for me to have a personal relationship with God? Or if you have a personal relationship with God, how do I take that relationship to the next level? We encourage you to reach out to your family and friends and loved ones, form a group, do this journey together uh, in a weekly discussion group, and then participate either online or at one of our campuses with our worship gathering so that you can process what I have to say about each of these questions inside of your discussion group. Now, somebody shout curiosity. Let's look at our text, Exodus chapter 3 beginning at verse 1 through 3. I was shocked when God brought this text to me uh, as our opening passage for this series. Listen to what it says. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the very middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses says. Why isn't that bush burning up? 
I must go and see it. Could somebody say, aren't you curious? <laughs> you can almost hear God whisper this, can't you? Out of, the, out of the text, the tree, the bush, the shrub, whatever it is, is on fire. And yet it's not burning up, but the blaze is bright. You can almost hear God whispering to Moses, aren't you curious? Aren't you curious? And of course, the answer from Moses' perspective is, how can I not be? Why isn't this bush burning up? He says, I've got to go check it out. Another person says, I'm going to turn aside from what I was going, what I was doing. I've got to check this out. So I want to ask you today, aren't you curious? Do you wonder? Let me give you a little background on Moses. For those of you who are just uh, perhaps uh, hearing or thinking about uh, who Moses is in context, this is in Exodus chapter 3. If you go back to Exodus chapter 2, here's what you'll discover. That Moses was born a Hebrew slave at the time when male babies were being put to death at the order of Pharaoh. Miraculously, he would end up being adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And she would in turn miraculously secure his mother, not knowing it's his mother, uh, to essentially uh, be his his, uh, his maid and, his, and care for him, his nurse maid, and care for him. Uh, Mo- uh, Moses would grow up third in line to become Pharaoh. Here's what Acts 7.22 says about him, that Moses was taught all of the wisdom of the Egyptians and that he was powerful in both speech and action. Moses was somebody in the first 40 years of his life. And yet we also can surmise that during those first 40 years, it was his mother who told him about the God of their people, the God of of the Hebrews, Yahweh. And she, I'm sure, told him what uh, chapter 2 begins by saying, that that she knew that he was a special child from birth, that God had a call on his life. And yet when we find Moses here at the beginning of Exodus chapter 3, he's actually 80 years old. And life has given him a variety of reasons not to believe in this God. First of all, at the age of 40, uh, we learn that one of his Hebrew brothers were being brutalized by an Egyptian taskmaster. Moses disrupts it, defends, and ends up killing the guy. And as we go on and read a little further, uh, we learn that um, at the end of the day, he had to flee the area because Pharaoh wanted to kill him. So as he thought about his faith, he thought that he was this person to deliver the people, and he felt like God had let him down. You know, there's some of you, I'm sure, that's watching me now that you may be sitting in our San Jose campus, you're watching on your cell phone or watching on YouTube, and maybe you haven't said it, maybe you have said it to some people, but you know, you really kind of feel like God has let you down. When you think about faith, you know, at best you're suspicious, at worst you're very cynical. And then, of course, Moses had been given other reasons to back away from the God uh, of his his birth. And we know he backed away because here's what chapter 3, verse 1 says. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, and it tells us about Jethro, that he's the priest of the Midian, a pagan religion. Moses has walked away. He's married into another family. He's walked away from the God that he grew up. And then his community left him in terrible despair. 
Acts 7.25 says this, Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them. Then here comes three very painful words, but they didn't. There's somebody here, uh, perhaps you have been so deeply wounded in your family. It's been hard for you to actually believe in God or trust God. There's somebody else is listening to me. You've been deeply wounded in a religious setting or perhaps in a church. We call it church hurt. I talked to a young woman not too long ago who said that she was in a brutal marriage and she wanted to get a divorce, but because she was attending a Roman Catholic congregation, they would not release her with a divorce. And she felt even the more brutalized. All of these are various reasons why oftentimes we find it difficult to trust God. We back away from God, just like Moses had backed away from God. We're cynical. For some of us, it's neither of those. We're just kind of stuck in a rut when it comes to our spirituality, kind of like Pastor Jesse talked about last weekend, right? We're just kind of stuck. Yeah, you know, we're not super excited about our faith. We don't necessarily get up, uh, you know, just raring to go. Well, here's the deal. Whatever category that you're in, you're listening to me today. You're watching me today. You're sitting in a seat in San Jose. You're watching me on a YouTube or on the phone. And it is not by accident. Proximity matters that God has positioned you to hear this message because I believe, come on, that the burning bush of this moment, this season, is really our Explore God campaign. And he wants to speak through you, reach out, and reactivate your faith through this experience. I believe this is the moment. So, notice what verse 1 says about Moses. He didn't end up close to where that bush was by accident. It says, he led the flock far into the wilderness. The notion here is, as you read it, watch this. It says he's leading the flock, but the, the subtle sense is that there's an invisible power guiding him. The suggestion of the text, really, if you watch it closely, is that on this particular day, Moses goes a whole lot further than what he normally would have gone. Then the text says he finally comes to, Sin- to, 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 to uh, Sinai, the mountain of God, Sinai, the mountain of God. And that's the proof God has positioned, strategically brought him to this particular place. And I believe that if you're listening to me in this slice of history, in this moment, whatever's going on in your life, that God has strategically brought you to this place. And then the text says, there, can you say there, at that very place, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Later, in a few verses, we'll discover that the angel of the Lord is uniquely God, God's self. Notice the word appeared. It means that Moses had a revelation in that moment. It was a life-changing revelation from God. Experiencing God in that context, through that burning bush, uh, Moses saw what he had never seen before, heard what he had never heard before. And I'm saying to you that in this particular season, God is saying to you and to me, I want you to have a life-transforming revelation from me. The burning bush is, a, is what we call an Explore God discussion group. And, 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 and he invites us to follow our curiosity. 
and open up our hearts and our minds. No matter how long we've walked with him, there's another level. God says, I want you to have a life-changing river. I believe this is God's word to us today. So as we look closely at the text, the revelation for Moses happened on several layers, levels. The first level that the revelation happened was, notice this, God transformed a familiar experience into an unfamiliar occurrence. Here's the point. In the Sinai Desert, it was not strange to find a bush catching on fire. What was strange is what we read about uh, in in the second half of verse 2. Moses stared in amazement, the text says. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, here's what was strange. Here's what was different. Here's what didn't fit Moses' worldview. It didn't burn up. I want to suggest to you that the work that God is doing with us as we prepare for Explore God is an unfamiliar occurrence because it's not just NBCC. We are a part of 150 plus churches in the San Francisco Bay Area working together across race, denomination, neighborhood. Come on now. And and all of the other kinds of differences that often define churches. We are uniquely working together between September and the end of October to launch thousands of small discussion groups that we intend. Listen to this. This is different. Can you say different? The first different thing is that all these churches are uniquely working together across our differences. Come on, shout difference. Yes. The second thing that is different is that we're trying to create thousands of safe places, both in the Bay Area and wherever all of our ministries are being viewed across the country and across the world, safe places so that there can be really honest dialogue about what we think about God as we work through these seven questions without us trying to control and manipulate the outcome. We just want to create space for the God that showed up in that burning bush to show up in that small discussion group, whether you're meeting in a coffee shop, whether you're meeting on Zoom virtually, come on, whether you're doing it by way of WeChat, whatever your context is, I I, I just believe that if you engage, Invite family and friends to be on this journey with you. Yeah. The God who showed up to Moses in this burning bush is going to show up there. And you'll discover that this is something special. Can you imagine thousands of conversations going on across the Bay Area? Don't you want to be a part of that? Aren't you curious? Don't you wonder? Well, you can, you can just engage Walk through the door of the questions in your heart. God says, come, be curious. Then what I like about the text, the next level of revelation is that God deliberately provoked Moses to ask questions. See, then I'll tell you at the beginning of this message that God has shaped us in such a way He's designed us in such a way that we are to have questions and that the questions are to lead us to him. Don't you remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6? It says, it is impossible to to please God without faith. You must first believe that God exists. And then you need to believe that God is a rewarder. Watch this. Of them that diligently 
earnestly seek after him. That means have questions. And that means to allow your questions to move you closer to God. Questions. And notice how God provokes question in Moses. The bush causes Moses in amazement. Here's what the text says. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning? I got to go check it out. So the encounter begins with Moses asking a very non-religious question only to discover that it's going to lead to a powerful spiritual reality. Why isn't the bush burning up? But before it's all over, he's going to walk through the first three questions that we're going to walk through. He's going, to, he's going to engage with God about the purpose of life, the existence of God, about where has God been in the midst of suffering, all right here in the text. Can you say questions? What are your questions? What are you wondering about? Are you curious? God is pulling on the strings of your curiosity, and he's inviting you to come. You know, a number of years ago, Bonner did a survey of Jesus followers and basically discovered how many folk who are practicing Jesus followers wanted to share their faith. He found out that 75% of folk in general would love to share their faith experiences with others. Their kids, their colleagues, their friends, et cetera, et cetera. But they also found out that 75% of folk who wanted to share also felt like it was inappropriate to share. Here's what it means. Two things. Check this out. Number one, of course we want to share. If you find something that is life-transforming and wonderful, extraordinary, don't you want to share it with your kids and people you love and people close? So that makes a lot of sense. The second reason we want to share is because we have questions. And, and we love to share with not just people who are Christians. We like to share with other folk, right? In general, if you're honest, so we're not just getting pat answers, that we're engaging God as we discuss what's happening in our lives. But here's the problem. The reason why we feel it's inappropriate is because we don't want to impose our faith on anyone, and faith should never be imposed. But if we could find a way to have a safe conversation where nobody's necessarily trying to persuade or convince anybody, twist anybody's arm, a conversation is free of arguing and debating, but just a conversation where you share your experience of God, I share my experience, I raise questions, you raise questions, we've got some videos to help work us through those questions and then come hear what, what I have to say week by week by week as you process and wrestle through those questions. Wow, if you could do that, aren't you curious? You ask you, I, I can answer the question, yes, because there's something within us that longs for that kind of experience. And I can just say to you that when you turn to your family and friends and loved ones, and that's who you should be inviting to be a part of this journey, this discussion group with you, people that you know, not strange, people that you know who would be interested in these same questions. Listen, maybe not every single one will say yes, but I guarantee you a lot of folk will say yes. You know why? Because they got questions too. You're my favorite uncle. God bless his soul. He's been with the Lord now for many, many years. Uh, you know, I lost him, you know, I guess when I was in my uh, late 20s. But he lived with us for about a year and a half, O.B. Batchy, Uncle O.B. And in his transition from California to Louisiana, he stayed at our home. And, you know, every now and then he'd come home drunk. Now, he'd, he'd be very respectful because my granduncle was a pastor and we had a certain kind of house. So he'd, a certain room he'd go back in, he'd be chilling out. 
I was 12, 13 years old. He's my favorite. I used to love him. He was funny. He was lots of fun. And when he was drunk, he was really lots of fun. <laughs> and you know, when you're drunk, you're uninhibited, if you will. And the questions that you have, the things that you're thinking about all the time, they come to the surface. Well, most times when he was drunk, you know what he was talking about? He was talking about religion, and he was asking questions that I rarely heard him talk about when he was sober. He never went to church or any of that. But when he was drunk, he had questions. Where was God when his brother got killed in prison? What was God doing? How did God allow a log to fall off the back of a log truck and kill another one of his sisters on the bridge? He had these questions, and yet he still believed. He would talk about this is the Almighty, and I'm trusting him, and so forth and so on. He had questions, though. It just strikes me that my uncle would have loved to be in a setting where he could have just he could raise his questions and hear other people's perspective as he would explain. Explore God if he could find, if he could have found a safe space. Where you have the opportunity that he never had. You can host that kind of group, that kind of experience. Can you say questions? Now here's another incredible important insight. Listen. So one level, uh, uh, Moses experiences the unfamiliar. Next level, this, 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 God intentionally provokes his questions. Another level of revelation is, watch this, God calls out, watch this, to Moses. Can you say to Moses? Moses was the target. Moses was the focus of this whole burning bush experience. Notice what the text says. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses. Moses, here am I, Moses replied. This says, this is a reminder. If the Explore God discussion group that I'm inviting you to host is in fact that very thing that God has set up to be the burning bush in your life, it is to suggest, watch this, that the target of God's anticipated revelation is primarily you. I know a lot of us think about, man, if I can just get this, my, 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 my kids into the group because they haven't been to church in a long time. If I can get my colleague in the group because he doesn't know the Lord, maybe God can do something for them. And you know what? God can do something for them. And I'm sure that God has, a, has all this built in. Check it out. Because God got to Moses, Jethro, who was a priest of a pagan religion, ultimately would declare that Moses' God was the true God. Moses' wife and Moses' children would all ultimately come around to know who Yahweh was. But in this moment, the target was Moses. Moses wasn't thinking about, you know what, if I can get Jethro here. No, 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 no. The target was Moses. Here's what I need you to see. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. It doesn't matter how long, many years you've walked with God. God's got a next level revelation for you. It does not matter how long you've been away from the church or how irreligious you might be. God is calling your name. Yeah. He's calling your name. And it will shape how you invite, and it will shape how you host your group. If you understand that the primary focus for you is that you're trying to gather some people to do this journey with you, because you've, you've, you, you've learned through your church that, that God's, come on, is calling your name, and in order for you to get what God has for you, you've got to get outside of your head. You've got to get outside of your isolated space. You've got to get in some dialogue. 
It changes your whole approach to how you invite and how you engage. This is first for you. It's first for me. So you just got to be able to call up your friends and say, hey, my church is doing this thing called Explore God. They're going through seven questions that are really at the heart of some things that I'm wrestling with with God. And, and, and we need to do this in community. So I'm trying to pull together a discussion group. For some of you, you just might say, would you, my best friend, will you do this with me? For others, it's like three or four folk that you want to reach together and say, would you pull together a discussion group? And some people are going to say, well, what are the questions? And you're going to share with them the questions. And, and somebody among them may say, well, look, I know two or three other people that want to be a part. Can they be a part? And the answer is going to be yes, as long as we make it a safe space. We're not arguing, debating, trying to persuade. We're just trying to explore together. That's how you do it. That's how you invite. That's how you build your discussion group. We'll talk more about that as we move forward over the course of the next couple of weeks. Let me, let me bring this, this, this to a conclusion. I, I really now have gotten to my favorite part of this passage. God introduces himself to Moses. Everybody says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Yeah, I'm the God of your people. I'm the God that your mama prayed to. Yeah, I'm here. And the text says that Moses uh, confirms that he believes that this is God because the text says he covered his face, suggesting that Moses knew of the tradition that says that if you look face to face at God, you would die. So he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. That meant that Moses believed this was God. This was the one and true living God. But while Moses covered his face, I believe that his heart was talking, y'all. And because as I look at what God responds, I think God's response is shaped to address the questions that were flowing from Moses' heart, even though he was, he was covering his face in a very sacred way. The questions, you know, I think Moses was like, do you mean you are real? You, you, you exist? Well, where have you been for the last 430 years while my grandmother and my parents and, and my loved ones were being beaten and brutalized in slavery? Come on, you exist. That's the question of existence. You exist. Where you been? What have you been doing during that time? And you know, God treats Moses the way I'm sure he's going to engage with us. He doesn't give Moses uh, a full explanation, but he does give Moses what I call a two-part response. The first part of the response is, listen, Moses, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I kind of, I if you let me, my, my sanctified imagination engage here, I'm thinking about what Peter said ultimately. He said, he said uh, one day with the Lord is a thousand years with us. And a thousand years with us is like, is like. He's not saying it literally. He's saying it's like. One day with the Lord. In other words, he's saying, look, God's time and our time is totally different. Uh, here's another way of you say, I can almost imagine God saying to Moses in their dialogue, listen, Moses, you ask me where I've been for 430 30 years. Listen, <laughs> your days are seconds for me. Your, your months are minutes for me. Your 100 years, a century for you is just an hour for me. Come on now. A thousand years is, 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 is a day for me. So really what you're asking me is, where have I been for the last four and a half hours? God's time. Come on now. <laughs> he said, well, listen, listen, listen. Wherever I was, I want you to know this, Moses. I was close enough to see. He says, for I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I've seen it. 
I want you to know that I was close enough to hear. I've heard the cry of my people by reason of their taskmaster. Somebody needs to be listening to me right now. He wants you to know I was close enough to know. Come on, that word know is the same word, uh, the Hebrew word that's used in chapter 4 of Genesis, the first few verses, it says, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. It was an intimate knowing. It, 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 it means that, that when Moses' grandmother was, was brutally knocked down, God says, I felt the pain. When the people of Israel were weeping under crushing burden, God says, I was weeping with them. I know their pain. Somebody listening to me, you need to, you need to know that God knows your pain. He's uniquely a part of your experience, whether you recognize it or not. That's the discovery. And so the first part was, hey, I know. The second part of the response is, I've come down. And, and Moses was like, okay, good. What are you going to do finally? What are you going to do? And God says, I've come down so I can tell you that you're part of the solution. Look what he says in verse 10. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead your people. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. I'm calling you. I'm, I'm, I've showed up, Moses, to tell you that the stuff that has happened in your life, they are not random incidents. It was not an accident that you were born where you were born. It's not an accident that you got adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and you grew up in Pharaoh's house. And, and you know, you were a bit premature in trying to execute on a plan that I wasn't ready to execute. So some stuff fell apart, but that's cool because the last 40 years you've been discovering and learning the wilderness path that you going to have to lead my people out of Egypt back to this mountain. There's nothing happening random. You're part of a larger story, Moses, and the solution that you are crying out for, I've built you into the solution. Ah, <laughs> let me just stop there. Moses, you see, had a God-transforming experience in that moment right there. He didn't just hear. He experienced God. And that's what God wants for you and for me. Amen. And amen. Listen, I want you today. I, I don't know when you're going to hear this message, but it's going to pop up on the screen. I want you to sign up to be a host, a facilitator today. And then check us out next week. I'm going to be in San Jose. And I'm going to pick up where I left off at. Don't miss your burning bush experience. God bless.